Pastor Saxton Odom here, so thankful that you have decided to join in to Wine on the Church of God's podcast today. We pray that this sermon blesses you, encourages you, and draws you closer to God. God bless you today is our prayer as you listen. Romans chapter 6, and we're going to be in verses 15 through 23. Romans chapter 6, 15 through 23. I made a practice of whenever I preach a specific passage of Scripture, maybe years in the future I'll be able to look back in my Bible and see, well, I've already preached that subject from that Scripture before, so I'll know I can probably get something else out of it. But when I came to Romans chapter 6, I had the whole entire chapter highlighted already, Brother John, which means I have already preached the entire chapter of Romans 6 in some shape, form, or fashion. But today, I feel like the Lord wanted us to uh, look back at Romans 6, 15 through 23. So the latter part of that chapter, Romans 6, 15 through 23. And some weeks ago, on July the 4th, I talked from this, uh, chapter 6, verses 1 through 5, I believe it was, on He Set Me Free. And today I want to kind of, with the help of the Holy Spirit, give it a little bit of a different spin. So if you're able today, will you stand on your feet for the reading of God's Word? Romans chapter 6, 15 through 23. While you're standing and turning there, we have a brand new uh, nursery help, nursery worker. Amen. That's the answer to prayer. Can we give God a hand clap over of praise for that? She's actually Laurel's daycare teacher and was Luke's before he moved to the Christian school. And she's a certified teacher. She went to school. She's got a degree um, in teaching this specific age group of children. And so not only is she a certified teacher, but she's also a Christian woman. Amen. And so we're going to have that, that blessing there with us. And, and uh, she's going to, I pray, just become part, a great part of our church family. We're excited about that. So if you've got kids that are nursery age, friends, family that are nursery age, that before, you know, maybe they were a little bit of aggravated that they had to watch their own kids in church for nursery, tell them, you can come now. We got nursery help, okay? And maybe that'll be a great blessing to them as well. Romans chapter 6, 15 through 23. It says, What then shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? Certainly not. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves as slaves to obey, you are that one slaves whom, slave whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? But God be thanked that through you, though you were slaves of sin, excuse me, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh, for just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness and lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. What fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now, having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. 
And then verse 23, a famous verse of Scripture, Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And I want to continue talking to you today on the power of the gospel with a sermon titled, The Pursuit. Can we say that together? The Pursuit. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this opportunity together with brothers and sisters in the house of the Lord. We thank you, God, for how you're moving in our church, Lord. We would love to see our building full, but it's not today. But all the less, Lord, you're still moving, God, with faithful people. You're still moving with the situations and circumstances we're navigating through in the world of 2021 with coronavirus and so many different things. And Lord, we thank you today that nothing ever takes you by surprise. And Lord, we pray in Jesus' mighty name that you would touch today. You would touch and anoint me to preach and teach your word. God, you would touch and anoint your people, Lord, to receive the word with gladness, God, to continue their pursuit of holiness and righteousness in Christ Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, Amen. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise as we're seated? Amen. As I've told you, the first week we began to talk about the power of the gospel, Romans chapter 1, 16, and I hope that you will memorize this verse of Scripture. It's a very easy memorization, very powerful Scripture to remember always. Romans 1, 16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation, first to the Jew and also to the Gentile. We do not have to be ashamed of the gospel, but rather we should be emboldened and empowered because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the center of the whole book of Romans, the crux of what Paul is writing to the Gentile believers at the Roman church. And so a couple of stages up to this point that he has covered through one chapter 1 through chapter 3, he begins to talk about the depravity of man and the, the issue of sin and the problem of sin and how God's wrath is poured out on all sin and Verses one, chapters one to three look very troubling because there seems to be no hope. But then around chapter four, he begins to talk about Abraham who sought God by faith and not necessarily from the essence of the law. And then into five, where we were last week, how Jesus Christ takes our place. And what chapter five, verse eight said was wonderful. God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Hallelujah. What a wonderful news. I mean, that's good news. Hallelujah. He, he kind of changed the trajectory. And now, this part, of this, this part of the chapter, through the end of the chapter, he's going to begin focusing on what it is to live a Christian lifestyle. What it is to live a godly way of life. The first part of, of chapter 6, he begins to focus on sin and breaking away from sin. And he leads into that with the end of chapter chapter 5 where he talks about the old Adam and the new Adam, the new Adam being Christ Jesus. In chapter 5 verse 21 he says, so that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. 
He says, as believers, Brother John, we should make a clean break with sin. We should leave it behind. We should throw off every weight that so easily besets us, he would say in another gospel, and we should, in another uh, book, excuse me, and we should pursue the cause of Jesus Christ. And here in chapter 6, he's asking the question, shall we sin because grace is abundant? Shall we sin because grace abounds? He asked that in verse 1 of 6. And again, here in verse 15. What then shall we sin because we are not under law, but under grace? And both times, his answer is the same. Certainly not. Paul was addressing something called antinomianism. It is a way of thinking that was prevalent in the Roman church to which he was writing this letter and still somewhat prevalent in the world today. An antinomian is one who takes the principle of salvation by faith and divine grace to the uttermost point of asserting that they are saved already and not bound to follow the moral law contained in God's word. In other words, an antinomian is one who accepts the free gift of salvation of Jesus Christ, but then sees themselves being already saved to the point of having eternal life, and they do not have to follow the word anymore. They can sin, they can do whatever they want to do, because they have a license to do so, because they're already saved. You know people like that. I know people like that. We all know people like that who say, I've been saved, now I'm good, I've got a license into heaven, I can do whatever I want to do. And Paul directly combats this line of thinking in the book of Romans in chapter 6. He says that Christ died to free us from sin, not to enable us to sin. When we think about what put Jesus on the cross, what put Jesus on the cross was our sin. What the whole reason He came to the earth for God so loved the world that He sent His only begotten Son so that we may have life and life eternally and abundantly through His Son. He sent His Son to die in our place for our sin. And so it is crazy to think that Christ went to the cross just to allow us to continue continue to sin. That's a horrible way to think about the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Christ did not die to enable us to sin, but to enable us to be freed from sin. When Jesus died, He was releasing us from the bondage to sin because that is what sin is. Sin is slavery. It separates us from God. And so for the believer, sin is damaging. And I want us to understand this. Just because we are saved does not not mean we'll ever sin again. Amen? Some of us, you know, we'll fall back into ways and habits and means and just because we do that doesn't mean that we're not saved anymore. But it definitely does not mean that just because we're saved we'll never struggle with sin anymore. And so when a believer gets into sin, sin is damaging to the believer. It begins to damage your spirit. It begins to damage your soul. It begins to damage your way of thinking. It begins to damage how you perceive what God is wanting to do in your life, His will. His Word. It begins to damage every part of your life, even as a believer. 
But for an unbeliever, sin isn't only damaging, it's damning. It damns your eternal soul to the pits of hell. Paul was telling us here in Romans chapter 6 that just because we now have the grace of Jesus Christ in such an abundance that we should not live any and every way, but there is a pursuit that we are to begin in our lives when we begin to be saved in the name of Jesus Christ. There is a race that we are to continue to run. And in between these times in our lives, up and down and all around, we should continually be pursuing the righteousness and the holiness of Jesus Christ in us. I want to use the illustration this morning of football season. Football season is nearing, and all you guys I know are happy, and all you ladies I know are not, unless you're a football fan. But football season is nearing, and I thought about using the uh, illustration of Mississippi State and Ole Miss, and I said, well, I may lose some people in my sermon if I do that, so... We'll just use the illustration of uh, Mississippi State and Ole Miss against Alabama. We'll kind of combine forces there a little bit, right? But an illustration um, is the free agent concept with, when it comes to football. And I know this really doesn't apply to colleges as well. But in between seasons, football players, baseball players, uh, basketball players that are professional, they move teams. If they feel like their team's not paying them what they're owed or their team's losing too many games, they'll become a free agent and they'll be out on the market for the highest bidder, for whoever can uh, give them the most money for them to come play for them. They fulfill their contract with their other team. They're free for the taking, so to speak, and the free agent gets to choose their team, hopefully, they get a team that pays well and wins well, but that's not always the case. And a free agent will stay out there thinking themselves, you know, to be able to do whatever they want to do. Choose whatever team they want to choose. Uh, go to whatever city they want to go to. Make whatever amount of money they want to make, to make in life. And sometimes we as Christian believers approach the subject of our salvation like a free agent. We say, oh, because I'm saved now, I'm free. I fulfilled my contract, my debt to sin, and now I'm free to do whatever I want to do. I'm free to do this. I'm free to go here. I'm free to say that. Because after all, God will forgive me. Come on, we've all thought that that thing before. We've all been tempted with sin and say, oh, well, it's not that bad because God's going to forgive me. And we take God's grace for granted. Free agent thinks, oh, well, it, what my team back there, uh, what, I, what I left is not that bad because where I'm going to or what I'm doing is going to be better for me. And people think of salvation sometimes in the terms of a free agent. God has set me free from sin. Now I'm free to do what I want. And when temptation comes, people that tend to have this line of thinking begin to fall in the way of sin, and sin begins to damage their life. They begin to say, I know that I'm not supposed to do wrong, but I also know that God's grace is abundant, and so God's grace is abundant. He'll surely forgive me of this sin. I know I'm not supposed to look at this. I know I'm not supposed to say that. I know I'm not supposed to be here. Y'all ain't saying nothing right now. 
I'm talking to Christians today. I know, but I also know God will forgive me, Brother Avent. So His grace is abundant. But this is the exactly line, exact line of thinking that Paul was combating here in the church of Rome and that the Lord Jesus Christ wants to address in all our lives today. Whatever moment we are in in our lives, we are never free because we choose to sell out to one thing or another. And if we're sold out to Jesus, then praise God. But if we are free and free agent in our lives and selling out to the highest bidder or the highest thing that will make us feel better or whatever it is that will feed our ego or feed our self-image, then we are in trouble. Amen. Paul says there are no free agents. That you are bound to Jesus Christ to be separated from sin to righteousness. You're either a slave of sin or you're either a slave of God. You are in pursuit of one or the other. You see, there is compensation for both. Here in this chapter and throughout the whole Bible, it tells us there's compensation for playing for the team of sin. The compensation is death. But there's also compensation for playing on God's team and choosing God's team. And the compensation of God's team is life, hallelujah, and life evermore. Righteousness and holiness is our standard. And so if you are under God's grace, if you take notes, I want you to write this down. If you are under God's grace, you are bound to obey. If you are under God's grace, you are bound to obey. In Mississippi, you know, we have some slang terms, and really they, they have as much meaning as any other words, but they're just words that we use. It's our vernacular. And if I asked you, it's summertime, August, is it going to rain tomorrow evening at about 5? We might say, it's bound to somewhere. It's bound to. Is it going to rain? It's bound to. Brother Chris, if I were to ask you, are you going to work tomorrow since it's Monday? You'd say, I'm bound to. Both of those words, bound, have two different connotations, though they're the same word. Number one, the first word used there when we think of weather, that it's bound to rain, bound is a, is a certainty. Uh, we know that it's probably going to rain because of the time of year that we're in and the storms that pop up in the evening. But the other word, when it comes to work, I'm bound to go to work, is an obligation. So you've got bound that's a certainty and bound that is an obligation. And if you are under God's grace, you are bound in both ways to obey. In other words, if you are a Christian, it is a certainty that you should obey. And if you are a Christian, you have an obligation to obey. So it's not just a certainty that a Christian is going to obey God, but it is also an obligation because we have been bought with a price. We are not our own. And as much as you might hate to see yourself like this, you're a slave, Paul says to one or the other, you're a slave to sin and you're bound to it and going to obey the things of sin, or you're a slave to God and a slave to righteousness and you are bound to obey your master, your heavenly master. We're bound by and through God's grace. It's a certainty more certain than rain tomorrow evening. It's a certainty 
that is more obligating than you going to work on Monday morning. It is us being bound to obey God because of grace. So we are not free necessarily to do whatever we want to because of grace, but we are bound to do what we know is right. For a believer, it is never a question of will I get away with this. For a believer, it is the question of is this right in my master's sight. We're slave to one thing or the other. So in these passages of Scripture today, Paul gives us a truth to know, a command to obey, and a cost to consider. And I've got about 15 minutes here. I'm going to wrap that up. Truth is whoever you serve, you are a slave to. In verse 16, he says, Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one slave whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? Again, there are no free agents. No free agents in this thing called life. Well, what, what about using this same football analogy? I told you I was going to use it again. What about we could say with Mississippi State and Ole Miss that either team played Alabama. Any Alabama fans in the house? I thought y'all were. I'm not hating on anybody today. But we could use this analogy and say a, a football player from State or Ole Miss's team hangs out with the team, they bench press with the team, they wear the colors of the team, they, they actually even hang out with the team on Sundays or Saturdays or whenever it is that the team is ready to play. But game time comes and there are teams out on the field and the quarterback hands the ball to the running back. It would be horrible for the running back to then get the ball and instead of running toward their end zone, Brother Brad, he turns around and runs toward Alabama's end zone. What would you do? You'd be like, oh my goodness, what is going on? Maybe he's disoriented. Maybe he got hit too hard last time. Something's obviously wrong. Set him down on the bench, give him a good talking to, make sure he's okay, put him back in the game, and you hand him the ball again, and he does it again. What would you say? You'd say that person is a traitor. He's playing for the other team. And this is what Paul is saying concerning you and I. That whenever we are given to sin, it's as if God gives us the free gift of life and we turn around and run into the devil's end zone. Okay, maybe they're disoriented. Let me sit down and talk to them a little bit. But then he gives us another opportunity, Brother Roger, when we do it again, we are a traitor. We don't serve righteousness. We're slaves to sin not to righteousness. God, Paul says here that su such a person that's a Christian that continues to run to the end zone of sin and not the end zone of God's righteousness isn't really a Christian at all. That they're a slave to sin. So this is the truth that he wants us to understand here in chapter 16. And sadly, this is the picture of some people today who call themselves Christians. They hang out with the team. They call themselves Christians. There's a cross in their car. They call themselves Christians. They've got a Jesus t-shirt. They call themselves Christians. They may watch the live stream or be here at church on Sunday. 
But when the ball, when it's game time and the ball's put in their hands, they run to the other end zone. Are y'all here today? Talking about sin. They run to the other end zone because they're really a slave to sin and not a slave to righteousness. They don't see themselves as being bound to God because of God's free gift of grace and pursuing Him because of it. But verse 17 is a wonderful verse. It said, but thanks be to God. Hallelujah. Aren't you thankful for that? Thanks be to God. You know what? We're, we're given to do those kind of things sometimes. We're given to be falling back into some old ways, be slaves to sin. We're given to, unfortunately, those kind of mindsets. But thanks be to God. He knows that. And He steps in and He makes a way for us to no longer pursue the things of sin and death, but to change our pursuit, to change our way of thinking and our way of living to pursuing righteousness. Verse 17 says, But thanks be to God that though you were slaves to sin, yet you obeyed from the heart. What changed? A heart changed. What happened? God's love came into your heart. God's grace through Jesus Christ. The blood washed your sins away. You changed and you're no longer a slave to sin. Jesus literally went to the slave block, the trading day, and He purchased you with His own blood. No longer a slave to sin, but a slave to righteousness. It was like the ladies' conference yesterday, the, what the preacher preached on Me Too. We've all done those things. We've all fallen into those ways and mannerisms of sin. And just because I haven't sinned like you or you haven't sinned like me, we've still sinned and been slaves to sin. Me too, right? But thanks be to God that He purchased us and He changed our heart, and now we obey our heavenly Master through the form of doctrine to which we have been delivered. Paul is using this analogy of slavery here over and over and over again, and he says, now that you've been purchased as a slave of God, your Master is going to give the slave a standard. Your master is going to give the slave a standard to live by, a standard to walk by, a standard to work by, and a standard to talk by. Back in the old days, none of us probably, you know, I don't think any of us in the room were old enough to remember the time of slaves. Uh, maybe somebody in, in your family worked cotton or things like that. I'm, I'm, almost everybody in here, I'm sure, had family that worked cotton, not on slaves. The, we were all... Uh, probably from generations of people that were work, hard workers and not necessarily rich folks in that day and time. But in those days and time when they would purchase slaves, they gave the slave a standard, Brother Chris. This is what I expect you to do. This is how I expect you to do it. This is how I expect you to accomplish what I've purchased you for. And the same is true of sin. We have a standard of sin and it's just lawlessness on top of lawlessness. When we're a slave to sin, our standard is just doing more sin and more sin and more sin and more sin until we are destroyed. But we also have a standard when we're slaves to righteousness. When we're in pursuit of God as Christian believers, God gives us a standard and He says, I've purchased you. I've bought you with my own blood. It costs me more than it cost any other person on the face of the earth. There's no amount of money you 
can put on what I've paid for you to no longer be a slave to sin. It cost me my son. And so here's the standard. Live by it. Walk by it. Walk, talk like it. Obey your heavenly master. It's a command that we are called to obey. And Paul says he's using this analogy in verse 19 because of the weakness of our flesh. In other words, it's hard for a lot of us to understand, most all of us to understand uh, even being slaves to God, but he's using this so he can get on our level to help us understand we're either slaves to sin or we're slaves to God. But verse 19, he says, I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness and lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, right? That's what I talked about a while ago, slaves to sin. So now, now the game has changed. Now your pursuit has changed. What is your standard now? Now present your members. What is he talking about members? My hand, my feet, my eyes, my ears, my tongue, my mind, my thinking, my soul. Now present every Every part of who I am, your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. I presented it before them in sin. I should also present it before God in righteousness. Change your presentation. Everybody say that with me. Change your presentation. Change your presentation because you're not presenting to the people that you used to be presenting to. You're not in a board meeting with sin anymore. You're in a board meeting with God. Sin doesn't really care. It just wants you to heap lawlessness on top of lawlessness. But God wants to see His standard of holiness and righteousness lived out in your life. So you've got to change your presentation. Now present your members as to righteousness so that your standard of conduct may be one of holiness, is what Paul says. Change your Pursuit. No longer pursue sin, which leads to death, but now pursue righteousness, which leads to God. Obedience will always reveal the identity of your master. Whatever way of obedience you are in is who you are following. This is the pursuit. Daily chasing after righteousness. It's not just a Sunday thing, amen? It's a day-to-day thing. Chasing His righteousness. Chasing His standard by living the way the Master wants. The Master says. The Master does. And guess what? We've got help in this. We've got help in the community of the believers. And so the pursuit of righteousness, Jesus does not just leave us on our own. He says, guess what? I've got more people I bought off the slave trade of sin as well with my own blood and I'm putting you in their life and them in your life so you can help one another in the pursuit of righteousness and in the pursuit of holiness. It's a communal pursuit. It's a a community effort. In 2 Timothy 2.22, Paul said, so flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Along with those who call on the Lord. The community of faith. 
Hebrews 10.24, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and to good works. Jesus loves us so much that He bought us, but He loves us so much that He doesn't want us to be isolated in our pursuit. And so He puts people beside us, all around us, to help us pursue godliness and righteousness and holiness. Suddenly, coming to church has a great new meaning. Amen. Suddenly coming to church is not just seeing Brother Stanley has a pink shirt on today. Real men, hashtag real men wear pink. But suddenly it's coming to church and saying, Brother, I know you told me one time you went through this certain thing. I'm going through it too. Tell me how you got through it. Tell me how you pursued Jesus through that. Suddenly coming to church is a pursuit of righteousness. Not just a check to check off in habitual thinking or habitual action. It's a communal pursuit where we're all pursuing God exemplified through Christ in our life. We're trying to be righteous and holy because He has presumed us to be that and bound us to be that in His walk of Christianity. But it's not only a communal one, it's also an empowered one. Everybody say empowered. So the pursuit of righteousness isn't only a communal one. It is an empowered one. How are we empowered to pursue righteousness? How are we empowered? Number one, understand it's not my righteousness, your righteousness, any of our righteousness. The Bible says our righteousness, our right standings, things that we could do are as filthy rags to the Lord. As filthy rags to the Lord. as something that is very unclean. A garment that is very unclean to God. It, it makes no difference the way that I try to right stand. So how can I pursue His righteousness if mine looks like that? There's great news, hallelujah. Jesus gives us His righteousness. Jesus who was spotless. Jesus who was sinless. Jesus who never gave way to temptation. Who died on the cross taking our sin. He has imputed. That means He has put as a seal and as a name tag His righteousness on my life and on your life. It is through and by Jesus Christ that we are made righteous. And so freely ask and the one who is righteous will empower you to pursue him who is righteous. We cannot, we cannot do this without Jesus Christ at all. We can't even live for God without Christ. Philippians chapter 2.13 says, For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. I cannot do it on my own, but it's God who gives me the desire. It's God who gives me the power to do what pleases Him. So I could say it like this, It's God in me who pleases the God above me. It's the God that He's given in me, the Spirit, who pleases the God, the Heavenly Father above me that is over my life. And so last but not least, a cause to consider. Sister Laverne, will you come to the piano? Verse 20, he said, For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. Not that righteousness did not matter, but that, that you didn't understand what it was to be righteous. You didn't understand what it was to be saved. So you were free that you had a lack of understanding. But now that you've been bought, 
now that you've been saved, now that you've been rescued from sin, you're a slave to righteousness, you're not free from it anymore, you're bound to it. So the cost to consider, verse 21, he says, What fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? So when you were committed to sin, maybe it was in your previous life before Christ, or maybe it's now, commit to sin today. What is the fruit of that, Paul said? What was the fruit of your adultery? A destroyed marriage. What was the fruit of your lying? You became known as a liar. What was the fruit of your addiction? It cost you money, cost you friends, cost you jobs. What's the fruit of your cursing mouth? Well, people don't think highly of me. All sin has a fruit. Paul said, what was the fruit of those things? The fruit of it is death. But in verse 23, he said, but the free gift of God, everybody say the free gift of God, is eternal life. This is a great comparison If you serve and pursue sin as your master, the wages of sin is death. It'll lead to death. But your new master, your savior, your king gives you freedom in him through the journey which leads to eternal life in Jesus Christ. Freedom to live righteously. Wages, here is the word in the Greek, opsinion, which means foot soldier. This is someone who continually pursues all the things of sin and at the end of the day finds nothing but a dead, dried up fish on the shore. This is exactly the word picture this Greek word uses. Somebody who pursues food all day long but at the end of the day comes and just finds a dead fish. No scales, just bones on the shore. That's their reward. The busyness of sin leads to death. You may say, preacher, this is the third Sunday in a row we've been talking about sin. We're saved. Why are we talking about sin? Because if you thought that, that's exactly why I'm talking about it. Salvation is not a get-out-of-jail-free card when it comes to sin. Shall we sin because grace abounds? Certainly not. And if you make a habit of sinning, I love you, but you're playing for the other team. If you make a habit of sinning, of of continuing a sinful pattern, friend, there's good news. You can get forgiveness. Jesus will put you back on the team and in the game. But you've got to understand what you're doing, first and foremost. And then secondly... All of us are chasing for heaven, right? All of us are pursuing His righteousness. Guess what? If you're having struggle, confess your sins one to another. You don't have to get up here in front of the whole church and say, hey, y'all, help me with this. I'm going through this. That would would bring some shame to some individuals. We wouldn't want to let that out to everybody. But what you could say in privacy, one-on-one with a brother or sister you really trust is, hey, I know this is wrong. I'm struggling with this. But I want to pursue God's righteousness in my life. Help me. Pray for me. And then pray for yourself. Say, God, I can't do it on my own. Empower me. Empower the God in me. If you were encouraged by today's message, be sure to hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you stream podcasts. To experience other sermons, watch us live, donate, and more, visit us on facebook.com forward slash Winona C-O-G. Thank you for listening. 
to the Winona Church of God podcast.